0: Happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week Podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Sarda. It is game week in Chiefs Kingdom. The Kansas City Chiefs will take on the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday at 325 Arrowhead time. To keep you busy until kickoff, we've got plenty to get to on today's show. We'll start things off with the Out of Structure Podcast. They discuss the Chiefs 69-man roster After that, we'll follow things up with the Great British Chiefs show. They've got our first Cardinals preview of the week. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs coast to coast. They discuss what we heard from the Kansas City Chiefs at the podium this week. And then we'll wrap things up with Show and BK discussing what to expect when the Chiefs have the ball Sunday in Arizona. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week.
1: It's always fun to kind of peruse the gambling lines it's a great way to kind of preview games kind of look at you know what what the you know you know who truly is better teams or not you know Vegas isn't wrong a lot right you know it, it, it honestly it, it, it factors out that way and uh, it's nice that you know I can can finally do it you know legally kind of just sit down on my phone you know don't have to be texting anybody uh, to make some bets for me so uh, yeah no I'm, I'm excited and, and we got some good lines for you guys so uh, if anyone's looking to make some season long bets before week one starts listen up to our uh, to our segment coming up, but Stags, we want to talk about the roster a little bit, don't we? I mean, we got a 53-man roster set in stone, never going to change. Uh, no, we, we ever-changing, but we got our initial 53-man roster.
2: Yeah, there's even a transaction today uh, on the extended 53-man roster, so we can call it the, once again, the 69-man roster and in the initial version of said roster. Uh, the Chiefs did sign James Wiggins, a, a defensive back. Uh, young athletic player, right, uh, to the practice squad uh, today, Monday, as we're recording this. But the rest of the roster is pretty much how you thought it was going to come out. So I want to talk a little bit about some, maybe not specifics about the roster, I think that's been covered, but it, any big themes we saw about how they constructed this thing and who they were able to keep, who they, they weren't able to keep. And, and I'm just going to start there that I didn't see where they lost anybody that, any of any of us had hoped that they would keep when you look up and down the roster there may have been some guys you were surprised made the 53 um but anybody that they released from the 53 that we thought might have a role on the team this season came right back to the practice squad so i I think in, in a lot of ways they played this thing pretty well
1: Dude, yeah. You look at the, and we've been talking about this D tackle battle. Um, just the fact that they were able to retain all three of the ba- the guys battling it out, you know, Colin Saunders, Danny Shelton, Taylor Stallworth. Um, you look at the offensive line, right? You know, we all, we all know we like the starters, but having Austin Ryder, who has literally started a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, you know, someone that Patrick Mahomes is comfortable with. If that's your practice squad call up, I mean, you're just you're you're living good. You're you're feeling good. The receiver position, you know, they get, they, they have Darius Fountain and Cornell Powell guys that, you know, I mean, I mean Darius Fountain, especially just someone that can be called up in, in a pinch and, and do something, especially on special teams, someone they can trust. So, no, I think you're 100% right. I think just as, everywhere you look at the, you know, even even past that 53 man roster. It really is a well-rounded you know whole team and, and they've really made some 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 good decisions and and they really have again they didn't lose a lot of people they wanted to and and, and man it, it looks good I would say I would
2: say yeah the, I, I think Veach and his team had to really be smart about who they released, who they thought they could get right back and they really leveraged this uh, expanded veteran practice squad rule right uh, where you can have six players with unlimited amounts of experience on the practice squad so they're using that as really an extension of the 53, any of these roster battles that we thought were were taking place, the the defensive tackle battle that was going between Saunders, Shelton, and Stallworth, in some ways Saunders won that. He's on the 53, but Shelton and Stallworth immediately returned to the practice squad, and you can really see where there's a plan there to leverage that unit, to bring folks up maybe on a matchup basis, definitely on an injury basis. But really, they, they had a smart way of releasing veterans that didn't have to go through waivers. Yeah. And with the likely that handshake agreement that they're going to re- return right back with the practice squad contract in hand. Uh, it really felt like they had a plan there and they executed it well.
1: Yeah. And then you, you talk, we're talking about the fringes of the roster, right? But then you just look at the meat of it, the actual, you know, the, the thick of it. And, and you found a, a great tweet from Jason at Over the Cap, you know, on Twitter. About just how how much of the Chiefs' roster is homegrown, developed talent that they drafted. The Chiefs have, according to this chart by, again, Jason over the cap, have the largest percentage of their roster as teams or as players that were drafted by them within the last five seasons uh, 73.5%, which is just, you know, the second number is, is in the 72.7. So there's only a few teams in the 70s, but. High number, and then also they have an 11.8 percent of their practice squad. I I believe that's the uh, that. Well, I guess 11.8 percent of the drafted prospects on the practice squad.
2: Um, I may be messing these numbers up. Yeah, either way, they're impressive. You add those really. The way I see, you add those two numbers up, right? So you've got 80, you know, close to 85 percent of the Chiefs' draft picks in the last five years are still with the team in one form or another. Um, and really look back, you know, over the last three years, there's really only two players that are not with the team still that have been drafted since 2019. And so, yeah, I mean, it definitely shows that they're figuring this thing out when it comes to drafting, they're definitely keeping their own, their own draft picks in house. And that's all the more noteworthy when they've had so many different, so many big draft classes. Last year was a big draft class this year with 10 players, and, and all 10 of them being retained in one form or another, nine on the active roster, one on the practice squad. I mean, those are great numbers. And the only people that it hurts really are the undrafted free agents because there's not a lot of those guys that have made the roster over the last couple of years uh, because they've done such a good job retaining their own draft.
1: Yeah, that is funny. I mean, you, you kind of think as an undrafted free agent, it's kind of a destination to you know, come to Kansas City, maybe like, oh, yeah, maybe I can catch on with the Super Bowl team. Well. You know, it's, it's apparently pretty hard to catch on because they're so good at utilizing their draft picks, not wasting them. So,
2: no, it is. It, it should be a credit to Brett Beach. That same chart also shows that there's a, a very small number of the Chiefs draft picks that are on other, uh, other teams' rosters, uh, probably direct correlation to how many of them are right. still on the Chiefs roster. And one of the smallest percentages, if not the smallest percentage in the league, that are actually out of football or out of the league. And so, really by any metric you look on that that particular chart, they've drafted well, they've retained those players, at least through their first contract. Now that's the next big test though, is will they start having some of these guys on second contracts? Because really the if you that's that's why the cutoff, that's why the 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 where you start measuring this from 2019 they have basically everybody still in-house. From prior to that is where you start seeing a lot of guys drop off because that second contract is either coming from another team in the league um, and, and not necessarily with the Chiefs. So the real success of this draft class and last year's draft class and the year before may start to show out when they're extending those contracts, um, hopefully, over the next couple of years if that's uh, in the card. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and that's the negative of, of this. If there is a negative of how good being so good at drafting is that you really can't keep everyone. You can try, but if, if you ha- are so good at drafting that all these guys, you know, deserve a contract worth, you know, worthy of, you know, being a starter, um, you know, a, a quality starter and they're all coming up at the same time, there's gonna be guys that we think are, are good players that aren't gonna be able to be re-signed for, for just that reason. They're gonna have to pick and choose at that time. So that that will be a good test to see kind of, you know, beach, you know, this is the draft part of it as being a GM. Now, how do you maneuver the, the signing second contract where you get value and where you can kind of trust your future draft picks to kind of make up for, for losing quality
0: players?
2: But on the flip side, when you have you remember the most valuable commodity in all of football, right, is a is a great quarterback on a rookie contract. Right. And then things change when you have to pay that quarterback. And then what does everybody say? What you have to do. When you sign your quarterback to the big contract, you better start drafting well. And that's really exactly what they've done exactly. Mahomes is now on a big contract, although it's still a bargain as compared to the rest of the league and continues to be proven so with guys like Russell Wilson getting paid. But they've done, they've started drafting really well and they have a bunch of young players on rookie contracts to surround their quarterback who, who's who's now making, you know pretty substantial money. Uh and and that bodes well for the future, assuming these guys play well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing. The draft is a crapshoot. It it really is. I mean, you can you can there aren't really necessarily teams that are very much better than other teams at drafting. You know, it it is kind of for the most part a crapshoot. So when you can go through these, you know, periods of time like we've seen Beach for the past, you know, three or four drafts that we're you know talking about here, and you can have all this success, like. It's not going to continue forever. It's just that's just the way the draft is. Honestly, it, it, there, there's going to be busts. There's going to be things. But to kind of hit on them all at once, like like he's doing right now, it's a it's a, it's a nice way to kind of you know transition that period. You know, um, like you're saying, into the big quarterback contract.
2: I mean, if you're lucky, it's I'm wearing my Royals uh, uh, shirt today. But like when all the 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 young ball players come up for the Royals and they all came up together exactly. and they all hit at the same time is when that team really blew up and, and took off. Obviously, football is a little bit different in the way that uh, uh, player development happens, and how and the timelines are a little different. But if you've got a big chunk of young players all hitting the stride at the same time, uh, this team could be good together for a long time uh, going forward. If 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 these draft classes are as good as we think they are, absolutely. Well, the only thing I noticed, though, by the way, is that they didn't make many other transactions. We've been right. Everybody in the Chiefs media has been good this year, not in every year, but this year everybody's been good about saying this is the initial 53-man roster. It's going to change. They're going to sign somebody. They're going to trade somebody. They're going to claim somebody on waivers. There's going to be transactions that are going to change this roster from day one, and really we haven't seen a lot of that. They signed a couple of players that they had shown some interest in to the practice squad. Uh, the tight end out of Missouri being one of those. Yep. Other than that, I mean, they haven't disrupted that initial 53 man roster at all yet. The only transaction, really the one that we thought we talked about last week with Rocky, that the roster construction hinges a little bit on Blake Bell going to IR, who are they going to, you know, have to release and resign because of that transaction. Sounds like that's in the works now. Blake Bell's going to IR. Uh, you know Elijah Lee is going to be coming right back on the roster, specifically right. uh, announced or, or mentioned as as the guy who's going to take that spot. But otherwise, the they haven't made a lot of transactions, and all of those decisions that we thought the roster construction was hinging on Ronald Jones making the roster, Darren Kennard making the roster, uh, Danny Shelton, you know making the practice squad, uh, and Blake Bell going to IR. To me, those are the four moves that. You know, really defined how the bottom end of that roster was going to work out. And and pretty much all of them have played out exactly how we thought they would, other than Danny Shelton on the practice squad where we thought he might be on the active roster. But you got to think that they still have a plan for him, right? They're going to call him up when they need him. Yeah, ex- exactly. No,
1: he, he's a direct Derek Naughty replacement with Derek Naughty does on early downs for this team against the run. You know, if he were to go down, they would definitely need someone like Danny Shelton. And I think Saunders can do it to an extent, but not in the way that. You know, Naughty can just sometimes just doesn't get moved and just absorbs that double team. And that's exactly what Danny Shelton can do as well. But I, I, I do want to play a little game with you, stacks real quick. I want to just kind of guess the game day inactive because, honestly, it was kind of I, going through it, you know, finding six players out of this 53 um, and, and the rule being that, you know, you can actually have up to only five inactive with an offensive lineman, um, an eighth offensive lineman, uh, uh, you know, active, obviously. Um, it is kind of tough to, to pick out some players that, that you don't you know that don't suit up. I mean, you're going you know, there might be some players that you know showed out in the preseason a little bit uh, that that might be kind of uh, you know just naturally not on you know not dressed up. So I don't know. Do you well, have a prediction?
2: Let's do a snake draft here. So I'll, I'll pick an inactive, and you you can follow it up with another one until we until we have our five or six. Perfect. So I'm gonna take the easy the first round draft pick when it comes to game day inactives. It's Shane Michelle, the third yeah. quarterback is gonna be inactive. <laughs> Uh, every week, there's really no question about that, unless uh, catastrophic injuries happen above him. So, uh, so the first pick in the inactive draft goes to Chambers.
1: Yeah, uh, accurate first pick, and I think the second pick is, is pretty set in stone too. Darian Kennard, the the right tackle from Kentucky, fifth round pick, just not there right away to to you know contribute right away, but he's still in the fifty three man, obviously because they don't want to you know lose, have a chance losing it
2: yeah that was an interesting one because so many of the media uh, and folks around the chiefs had had talked about how he's not going to make it they're going to cut him he's he hasn't shown enough maybe he'll be on the practice squad but maybe they also like that rookie contract and they, and they just want to keep that thing intact while they continue right. developing so yeah point. i think that's a that's a no-brainer he's a you know third or fourth in line for 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 a tackle spot and and i think on, on a game day if they really needed a an emergency tackle. They've got plans uh, uh, there in in house uh, on the active list. So yeah, I think he'll be inactive every single week. So the second pick being Darren Kennard. Um, for the third pick, I'm going to cheat a little bit and say it's one of the defensive ends. <laughs> so so it's, we don't know uh, what their plans are there, but it, it was a mild surprise that both Joshua Kando uh, and Malik Herring both made the roster. We thought it'd be one or the other uh, both of those guys made the roster, along with Carlos Dunlap. Uh, but Dunlap was banged up; he's back to practicing again, but he hasn't practiced a lot. And so, maybe it takes a little time for uh, for him to be active. So maybe week one he might be the inactive one. Uh, but then I think every week at least one of those three is going to be inactive as long as all three of those guys are on the fifty three.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And and I think it makes sense maybe that Kane gets that edge over Herring right away just because he has some experience playing. Um, you know, in the defense but, obviously. But Herring, course, was but Herring
0: was better. Herring was better. I agree. Percent, yes. Right?
1: I, I, I I really like Herring. I really like what I saw from Herring this year. I thought if they picked between the two, I would want Herring on the team. But you know, he Herring was dealing with his own little uh, bang up in, in, in practice, uh, you know, recently too. So uh, you know, I, I think I think it could flip flop like you're saying, like one or the other, and that's why it makes sense why you you cheat and take and take two for that draft pick. But uh, I'm a good right, he, yeah. The fourth, one, pick. the fourth pick to me seems pretty clear, and and it's a kind of surprisingly clear. Uh, Joshua Williams, the, the mm-hmm. cornerback, uh, just because that's one of the cornerbacks is going to be inactive every week. That's kind of just how it works. They kept six. Chris Lammons is a special teams ace, and and. It was funny, we actually had an AP commenter kind of uh, come come at us for for calling Chris Lamon's a special teams ace. That's what he is. That's what D- Dave Tobe calls him, and that's just how they're going to treat him. So get used to him being on that 53-man roster, and I really but think he's,
2: he's known league-wide as one. He, this is not exactly. just like Dave Tobe talk. Like, he's a legitimate, one of the, the better special teams players in the league. Yes. Now, is it Lamons or Le Mans? By the way, I go back and forth. I, you know, I,
1: <laughs> I always knew it as Lamons. Everyone kept calling him Le Mans, so I tried to transition, but it, it's <laughs> going to go back and forth.
3: Hi there, and welcome back to the Great British Chief Show with Brad and Tom. It's week one. We finally get to preview a game, and it's the Cardinals this week, Sunday night, nine twenty-five over here. And man, I mean. When we did a bit of research on this, I know Tom has done some research on it and I've done some research on this. Um, the Cardinals, for me, they look to be the most unprepared team of this season. I feel
4: like I was the most unprepared about the Cardinals more so than any other team. Like, yes. <laughs> is there a, like, a good team that anyone knows less about than the Arizona Cardinals? Like, they, oh. They've been consistently good for a few years now. I know, they obviously, they had a year when they got Kyler Murray as the number one pick. Yeah. But pretty much since, I don't know, like the current Warner days, they've been a very solid NFL franchise, yet no one really gives two shits about them. No, they don't. <laughs> They're right. You're right. I don't, I like, I, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, like even like to the point where last season, I've gone gone through and looked at the end of their last year and see how they got on, what, what happened towards the back end of the season. And I completely forgot that they were even in the playoffs. And the fact that they they played a playoff game. Now, they, what didn't help was the playoff game they played was the was that stupid Monday night wild card game, which yeah. I'm obviously not going to get up and watch a Monday night football wild card game in January. It's just not going to um, happen. Bad move. I'm I'm kind of glad the Chiefs avoided that time slot to be honest. But I watched the game, and I think I managed to find someone that played worse than Patrick Mahomes in the second half of the playoffs. Like yeah. Kyler Murray was. Bad. Yeah. Like really bad in the playoffs. So I sat there and watched the full thing. Man, like I'm si- I'm sitting here thinking, like, two callbacks playing against each other on Sunday, both last time they were on the field on a, a proper game, both were really bad. Which one's most likely to back- bounce back? Probably Patrick Mahomes
3: probably yeah (laughs) probably yeah
4: the one the one guy that doesn't need it in his contract that he has to do homework (laughs) during the week do
3: you think he's done his homework this week kind of um, he needs to he needs to he definitely does um no you're right though i mean the cardinals are very very hit and miss um last season they came out the blocks really quick didn't they I think, yeah, didn't they go seven the and first They did last season, and everyone was touting them as being like, "Oh, this team's going places, right?" Mm-hmm. And then they really kind of lost it towards the back end of the season. Yeah, and that team as well, I believe that team was a lot better than what they've actually got now, especially because, defensively. Especially the defensively, but I mean, yeah. if you're looking at the the offensive side, I mean, you've got, I mean, Kirk's gone. Yeah, Christian Kirk. Christian
4: Kirk is the reason why Tariq Hill is no longer a chief.
3: Well, yeah, he's <laughs> like, he's the guy, yeah, exactly. It is it's his fault. He, it's if it wasn't for
4: Christian him. Kirk, Tariq Hill would have signed a $22 million contract and he'd still
3: be here with Juju. Man. Anyway, yeah. So Christian yeah. <laughs> Christian Kirk is uh is not there. The online is it's just more holes in the colander at the minute. Um Do
4: you know yeah, how yeah. like not to like steal other people's work, but I've listened to a couple of podcasts and the Cardinals-based podcast over the last couple of days. They are not high on our old friend, Rodney Hudson. No, they're not. They are not high on him at all. Apparently, that's been a complete failure. Like, when when Hudson left the Chiefs, he was widely regarded as the best centre in the league. And he went to the Raiders and was very good. The Raiders had a very good offensive line at one point. Hudson being the anchor. And I remember when he when he looked like he was going to become a free agent, there was a lot of Chiefs fans lobbying for uh, bring back Rodney Hudson. Do you remember? It was remember just that. after we saw Joe Tooney. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, bring back Rodney Hudson, bring him back to Kansas City. And obviously we're expecting the release to go through, but then no, the Cardinals jump in, they give up some picks, a third-round pick and a sixth, I think it was, yeah. to, uh, to LA. And uh, Las Vegas, rather. And he ends up going to the Cardinals. And apparently he's just been flat out bad yeah. in Arizona. They are not keen on him. Like they, they're, what they're saying, the guys that I've been listening to is like, he needs to, as you start the show with put up or sharp, because if it doesn't, they are going to be moving on from, um, uh, rodney hudson as, as soon as they possibly can yeah. and so is that, you're looking at that and you're thinking okay if he's playing bad who's he got to go against on sunday oh look he's got to go against chris jones <laughs> so yeah. so yeah you know maybe maybe there's gonna for once we're gonna play rodney hudson and he's actually gonna have a bad game against us
3: well that o-line average age is over th- over 30 not 30 over 30 compared so- to
4: what what's what's the average line on R? Well, average age in our line must be, what, 21? 24, 25? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> are, are, are our line even old enough to drink? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, there's a huge glaring difference there. And, I mean, they, they apparently tried to patch it up a little bit with uh, signing uh, Will Hernandez from the Giants. Um, but even PFF has actually ranked them as one of the worst all lines going into this season. When you've got a franchise quarterback that you've just signed in Kyler Murray, you need to start protecting that quarterback. The Chiefs did it. The Chiefs recognised there was a need there after that, that dreadful Super Bowl that we had. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's, it's not just the only area where there's issues. they, are, bad yes, they in the only... trenches full stop. Yeah. It, it, they the are bad. Thing. Like, the defensive line is no
4: good either. Like, no, it isn't. You, you're looking at this game and you're thinking, like especially on the, for us on the defensive side, you're looking at, right, this is a perfect game for George Carla after Carlos Stanley done like frank clark to like to break themselves in as a like defensive end pass rush package obviously chris jones will have a good game and you think right great game for the defensive side of the ball on the other side if this true to form and the chiefs are going to come out and say we're going to run the ball a little bit more we're going to let clyde go uh, let mckinnon go ronald jones pacheco whoever it will be go behind us and grind out some yards you're looking at this defensive line for for the cardinals who've got an old JJ Watt. They've got Zach Allen, who they think is going to be okay. Marcus Golden doesn't even look like he's going to be playing like there, There's some big injury concerns there. But and on, the most important thing on the defensive end is Chandler Jones isn't there anymore.
3: Yeah, he's that is a huge
4: he's gone. He he's in a, he's in Las Vegas. Now he's our problem twice a year in a different yeah. in different games, but on Sunday, he's not a problem. I'm looking at a defensive line and the linebackers, which is going to be led what by Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. Who's not been great except since he since he come into come into league? where he's into his third year now. I'm thinking the Chiefs they're going to have a field day here. This offensive line is going to eat on
3: Sunday. We're, we've said many times that well, it's it's a well known fact that games are won and lost in the trenches. Now, when you look at the fact that the chin, the, the trenches on both sides for the Cardinals yeah. are either decimated or aging or just not really that good. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs have got to be working in this, thinking that we've really got to like up our not even up our game, but actually manage to rack up points, yeah. um, you know, sack totals, all that kind of thing, yeah. and really kind of set themselves in using this game. Because um, you know, I mentioned one of the wide receivers before. Um, you know, Christian. Sorry, sorry
4: to interrupt you, Brad. Just before you move on to wide receivers, the yeah. the the problem for the Chiefs' defensive line. Yes, they can go ahead and beat the the Cardinals offensive line, beat them up, win win early, and get get their their fill. The problem is is that they're not necessarily rushing to sack Kyler Murray; they're probably more likely rushing to contain him because yeah. he he poses a similar sort of threat to, say, Lamar Jackson. Like, everyone's saying, oh, Kyler Murray's an upgraded version of Lamar Jackson. I don't believe that for one second. Yeah. But Kyler Murray is still an excellent athlete and an amazing runner. So, oh, yes, the offensive off. line might have problems, but we've seen in the past that Kyler Murray can make up for that. So it's going to be like, it's for someone like George Karlaftis, who is all go, all motor, like, he's like he's like someone you screw up and just screw him up at the back and just go, off you go. He yeah. just goes and goes and goes until he runs out of gas. Like he's going to have to like play smart. There's going to be times when Spagnuolo Spagnu- Spagnu- is going to make him play contain on his side, and it- it's going to be interesting to see if Carlitos can actually hold his tackle there, maintain the edge, and let Chris Jones come up the middle, Frank Clark round the other side, maybe Nick Bolton and Blitz, but Willie Gay and Blitz. Be interesting to see if Karl Aftis has got the maturity already to stay in his lane and maintain discipline on when it comes to pass rushing.
3: Yeah. I think you're right as well. I think with the the Chiefs getting the young, old, uh, the young linebackers that they have now as well, the speed that they have as well, yeah. Um, I think that has been engineered really to, for especially for uh, you know, mobile quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, like Lamar Jackson, and thinking right, know, Josh well, Allen. Josh Allen was another one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, making sure that you know a lot of these quarterbacks these days have got wheels. I mean, Mahomes has as well. But, yeah. you know, he, he, he you know he does scramble quite a bit. Um so having that speed at linebacker, I think, is very much key in this to 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 try and yeah, to try and combat some uh quarterback players like this.
4: Do, do you think can you imagine them spying Kyler Murray with Willie Gay?
3: He'd murder him.
4: <laughs> of course he'd murder him alive, <laughs> but I'll, you
3: don't think Kyler Murray. <laughs> but who, who who's
4: who's who's gonna be who's gonna be the guy then? They, they're obviously gonna have to if they're gonna play contain or if they're not gonna play contain, they're gonna have to keep someone spy. And he's going wouldn't, to be one of the linebackers. you put Brian you?
3: Cook in that? Because he's, he's probably one of the quickest ones that we've got out there that you could probably put in as spy, but also keep the two linebackers.
4: Maybe, potentially. Maybe Robin you'd have to call up, call up Spags and let him know. So yeah. I've got, Spags, I've got an idea, mate. I've got a player
3: for you.
2: <laughs> yeah. from
4: Brad. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I just imagine like, I suppose when you look at it, the fact that the Cardinals haven't got DeAndre Hopkins this week, which is massive, he's not back till yeah, week seven, years, yeah. then uh, you, you look at the, their pass catchers and where they've got Andy Isabella and Hollywood Brown, who they got in a trade well,
3: this year. Yeah, they got, and, they, well, and they got Rondell Moore as well.
4: Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, Rondell Moore. Who's he, he, he he's he's been suffering
3: pin- with an injury. He's been yeah, injury. Exactly, he's even going to play.
5: Finally, 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 we get action and we're previewing a game that means something, Mark. Yeah, man.
6: Can you believe we're actually here? Like, it, it kind of feels surreal to me. I don't know about you. This is for like the longest offseason ever. I don't know what it was, about this just felt really, really long. Did you feel that?
5: Uh, well, you know, some of us who have our boots on the ground and are there the whole way and are at training camp and, you know, really doing the nitty gritty. You know, it's felt like football season for the past month, it feels like. Honestly, i be real with you. I, I forgot using the field. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, you up in the luxury box it, it, It's finally starting to feel like football. <laughs>
6: football. Yeah, I'm, I just been I've been having my toes in the sand on the beach out
5: here in Venice. I'm sorry, I'm sick of you, man. The, the players talk today, Wednesday. We heard from Andy <laughs> Reid, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Jones, and Patrick Mahomes I had their Week One matchup out in the desert. It's Chiefs and Cardinals in the afternoon slate on Sunday. Couple quotes that stood out to me, and I'll start with this one from Juju. I'm paraphrasing all these you want to go back and listen to all the quotes from today's podium and all the podium availabilities, those are available on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network, wherever you get your podcast. But Juju said, and this is paraphrasing, but something to the extent of this year is all about proving that I still have it. We know he came back here, or he came back to Kansas City on this one-year deal, and Andy Reid and him had, had kind of been talking back and forth, uh, you know, pictures of the Lombardi Trophy, the whole nine. Uh, so, with Juju here in a one year deal, and before week one, that quote comes out to me, and, I, and I'll toss it to you in a second, but to me, it, it, it shows that he's heard the chatter a little bit. This is a guy that's missed a lot of time due to injury. Uh, he actually played his last game in Pittsburgh in Arrowhead Stadium after missing an extended amount of time with injuries. And that has kind of been a part of the story when we talk about Juju Smith Schuster. What would he be without the injuries? Now he comes over to Kansas City has an opportunity to play a big role in this offense. And uh, I've said multiple times on this platform, I expect him to be the guy pass-catching-wise behind Travis Kelsey. He comes out and says, it's a prove-it year for me. And that's what you want to hear if you're a Chiefs fan, Mark.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the national narrative around Juju has been unfair. People always talk about his TikTok stuff. And, you know, they talk about how he had his great season, but it was opposite of Antonio Brown. But it's still not easy to have 1,400 yards in the season. I mean, he had over a 100 catches that year, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns. The year after that, he battled some injuries. The year after that, he gets 97 catches for 800 yards, which was a lot of dink and dunk stuff because Big Ben couldn't throw the ball past 15 yards. Obviously, last year, he only played five games. And people forget, he's only 25 years old. It feels like he's been around for so long. I know he mentioned that, how, you know, being a stuff like that. And they're like, wow, you've been in the league six years. Like, you're old. And he's only 25. So, I mean, (laughs) there's still a room to grow for this guy. He's on a one-year deal, so obviously a prove-it deal. And we know the Chiefs have been after him for the past couple of years in free agency, right? They tried to get him last year. But I think he wanted to go back and play one last year with Big Ben. Unfortunately, he only played five games due to that injury. But he did come back in the playoff game, which ironically was in Arrowhead (laughs) game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Now he's on the other side, as he mentioned, during his presser. So, yeah, man, I think uh, the national media is really, really sleeping on what he's going to do on this offense. And I know we're going to get to Mahomes' comments earlier, but we know the ball's going to be spread around. But like you said, I do think he's going to be the the primary guy from the receiver position as
5: far as we look at the end of the season and we look at everybody's stats. I think it's fun when these guys tell us, you know they give us a little peek behind the curtain especially in Kansas City a lot of the media is tough to get guys to say stuff you said before and we say this all the time we'll here about Andy Reid not really saying much Patrick Mahomes being a company man and, and being very careful with what he says things but for Juju to come out before week 1 and say you know I really want to use this year as an opportunity to show I still have it uh, and you alluded to that 1400 uh, 1400 receiving yards here that was 2018 I'm looking at the stats now 166 targets, 111 catches, uh, 1,426 receiving yards, and and seven touchdowns. You know, if if he were to even get close to 1,000 yards, I consider that a successful year in in KC, especially considering how balanced we expect him to be. Uh, It's going to be fun to see him in this offense, especially since we didn't see him all preseason, man. And I tweeted that before. it 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 irked me to not see him in the offense even though they were successful and even though they had the touchdown drives yada yada i wanted to see nine in there because he showed flashes up in saint joe
6: yeah well he did play in that bears game but he didn't get any targets in
5: that game you're
6: right you're right you're right yeah but obviously he didn't play in the next two games after that yeah it does feel like kind of like we're just waiting to see the movie like right like we see the preview and the practice we see the clips of him and Mahomes having this connection in the end zone and jump ball passes and things like that. But we we haven't actually seen it in a real game yet. So it's going to be really exciting to see on Sunday, especially he was talking about how, you know, everybody's going to be lined up everywhere. It's not going to be just one guy on the outside the whole game or one guy in the slot. They're going to be mixing and matching everybody, man, which I think is going to be really hard for opposing defenses to defend, especially early in the season because you have no – film to go off of because going off of last year's film for the Chiefs really does you no know justice because Eric kill there's three new receivers I think it's going to be a whole new philosophy so I, I do think early in the season I know a lot of people may say they may start off slow but I don't see how that's going to happen because you know defense has to react to the offense right the offense always has the advantage so and the fact that you don't really have film to go based off of you don't know what they're going to do I think they're going to hit the ground running offensively
5: Hey, well, you talked about it, so let's just get right into it. It's Mahomes apologizing to fantasy football owners in advance of the season. I think we touched on this last pod, last pod, given our little fantasy preview as it relates to the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes comes out and says, hey, it's going to be uh, a, a little bit different. It's not going to be just Tyreek and Travis. It's going to come from everywhere. You're going to have to choose the right guy every week. And that gives the Chiefs, in my opinion, uh, a unique advantage. It, it's harder. It's going to be harder to game plan to your point. Uh, it, it's gonna be a different look every week, and and it's specifically muddy, I guess. It, not only the running back room with who might be the running back one, and even Andy Reid coming out earlier this week and saying, "Hey, it's only gonna be three running backs per week." And uh, I think maybe that's my hesitation with is saying they're gonna hit the ground running. I'll go yellow light lad here, hashtag yellow light lad. Uh, a lot of new faces, uh, a, a balanced attack, a little different, a different look. Uh, I do expect him to be the same old Chiefs offensively, but, you know, I'll hit the yellow light on that.
6: Uh, here you go, yellow light,
5: man. <laughs> I can't stand you, man. This
6: yellow light, bruh. Speed through yellow light, lad. Have some courage. Have some conviction. But, um, yeah, man, Um, like I was saying, I just truly think there's something to having a guy like a Tyreek on your team, which is a gift and a curse. Because you feel like you have to give him a certain amount of targets per game. Like, I have to fit it. I have to throw it to him. I have to force it there. Now there's no pressure there. you know, Because him and Kelsey have a great relationship. I don't think Kelsey is going to be, you know, really too concerned about care, uh, targets, which he's going to get them anyway, obviously. But now you can just spread the wealth. Uh, you have, in my mind, four to five guys that you can rely on instead of two or three from previous years. And let's not forget, man, the main thing here is the offensive line. You have a top five offensive line, bare minimum. So Mahomes is going to have a lot of time in the pocket. It's their second year together. I mean, imagine how good, see how good they were last year in year one? So now you got second year continuity there. They should only get better. And then if we're assuming they're going to run the ball a little bit more, it's going to open up even more things in the passing game. So I I think they're going to be just fine starting week one. I expect a really big performance. (sighs)
5: <sighs> I'm, I'm gonna go off script for a little bit I, I, I was out in Westport no, to no surprise there you can already guess where I was yeah I'm not gonna <laughs> say it all out yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was there and our Arrowhead Pride's Pete Sweeney was there and we were talking about last week's episode this was actually right after the pod I think hold, hold on was this, a, <laughs> was this a scheduled meetup or was it was just random It was random. I was actually just chilling. Westport Wednesdays is kind of a thing. So all the bars will have specials or whatever. So we're out there just chilling on the patio. And I see Pete walk by. I'm like, Pete, come over to the table. Come over. Come chill. You know, come break
7: bread, whatever.
5: And he's like, yo, you know, I I, I like how, you know, there's a yin and yang here. You call me Yellow Light Lad. We can get the jokes off. I'm sure there's going to be a Photoshop coming one day of Yellow Light Lad. And he says, you know, I, th- I appreciate you being able to reel Mark in a little bit sometimes. Sometimes Mark gets a little carried away, you know. He he has his fifteen underwear on and his, his eighty-seven pajamas that he sleeps in every night, and it's a good yin and yang. So I I, I just wanted to share that share that anecdote a Hey, you know, it's a, it's a balance. Life is a balance, Mark.
6: <laughs> I love these stories when you and Pete have these side conversations about. Mark is just a little wild, isn't he? <laughs>
5: <laughs> I remember you told me about when y'all had a training camp. <laughs> hey, man, we're just waiting for you to pull up. That's 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 the truth of the matter. We're,
6: we're waiting That's what for it you is. You guys up. just <laughs> missed me. You guys yeah. missed me. You guys I want think. me to come back to KC. That's what it is. <laughs> y'all yeah, want me to pull up. I get it. I get it.
5: I think we found what it is there. Having some fun here on Chiefs Coast to Coast Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Week one, man, is finally here. One more quick quote from uh, Wednesday, and this is a fun one, man. George Karloff is still trying to figure out the sack celebration, and apparently he's using TikTok as a way to find the celebration, the proper one, how to hone it. I thought the second celebration against uh, Carson Wentz and the Commanders was a lot better than the one that we saw at Soldier Field, but uh, maybe you can give him some pointers, Mark. I know you're Mr. TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think Juju has them on
6: that. Um, You know, I saw his presser. They were talking about it. And, yeah, the second one was a lot better. It looked a lot more, um, you know, like I've been here before type of celebration. You know, it was very cool. The collective had the arms up, getting the crowd involved. I thought that was really smooth. And, you know, it was a safe one to go to. But I want him to get a little bit more wild the next time. You know, maybe do a – uh maybe hit the gritty. How about – how would you like George Karloff just hitting the gritty? Wouldn't that go viral? I would <laughs> love to see that. It.
5: Can you? Can you gritty? Is that? Is that what's missing from your from your Instagram reels and TikToks? Is the Mark to? Because I saw you and Jackson Mahomes TikTok in a way. Don't let me bring that one back up. <laughs> I, 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 let, let me find that. Let me find that. And hey I'm man, chill, right bro. Now. Chill, no. bro.
6: Oh <laughs> chill, bro. I can gritty though. Gritty's not hard. It's not hard to do. I can honestly.
5: Gritty. Honestly, I grittied on air at, at 41 once. I'm sure that that could be found somewhere too. Um, so it, there, there's some bad dance moves on on Cheese Coast. To coast. Hey, what about what I, the uh, the AB dance? The uh, put that thing on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad at AB right now because I Juju did it at practice, right? And then I posted the video, and then AB just ripped my video and posted on his TikTok with no credit. No posts, no nut. I'm like bro. Come on, oh wow, bro. I'm mad at AB, dog. If wow, I see- you really found it that fast, bro. I hate you, dude. <laughs> if I see AB, I'm snuffing him out for stealing my video. I'm talking about you putting this on a Jumbo Tribe, bro. Yeah, I hope that gets retweeted quite a bit. You posted it. What am I was supposed wow. to do? Wow. Posted
6: it. Okay, but it's old news now. Now you're about to have it recycled.
5: <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back through. <laughs> let's let's bring it back through, please. Mark Guttles busy. <laughs>
8: All right, we uh, we did this last year. This our thing when the Chiefs had the ball. I'm gonna tell you what, fellas. I am, I am so excited because listen, I'm not, I, I don't believe what we saw in the preseason is. Oh, that's what the Chiefs' offense is going to be. Nope. I've known for a couple of years what the identity is. Is they are gonna put pressure on you. 10's going to scare the hell out of you, and it's going to open up a ton for 87. They're going to put the ball in Pat's hands. He's going to put the, get the ball in playmakers' hands. They're going to make big plays. And if they get up two scores on you, good night, because you're never going to stop them enough. I'm intrigued because I don't know what the identity is. I don't know exactly what they're going to do. I believe they're going to be productive, but I just don't know. So when the Chiefs have the ball, I'm intrigued right off the bat of what? What are we going to see? What is this going to be? Because Andy Reid, as you know it, has had multiple different type of looking offenses. His offense has looked completely different than this version with Mahomes. It looked different than what he had to do with Alex Smith, bless his heart. It looked different than what he had to do with Donovan McNabb. It looked different than what he had to do with other guys in Philly, with Michael Vick. He's had different looks and variations of what he's, what he exploits offensively. And I don't know what it's going to be this time around. That's well, I got that crack pipe out. Again, the football crack pipe is out again, and I cannot wait to see exactly what it is that the offense is going to look like. Because I don't think we've seen it. I don't believe anything from
7: preseason. They're just playing. Not only do I not believe anything from preseason, I also don't believe that anything Patrick Mahomes is telling you right now. Like Mahomes seems to be out here talking in his media press conference saying, every everybody that's playing fantasy this year, I I apologize. That's the ball. You don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, that seems to be what he's saying. And I I just don't believe it. I think he's full of crap. Like, I think Patrick Mahomes is lying to us. I think that you are going to see Juju Smith-Schuster as the clear-cut number one wide receiver going into the year. I think he is going to be the guy that more or less replaces the touches, not in the same way, but he replaces the touches that you saw from Tyreek Hill a year ago. I think he's getting like 100 plus targets on this team. I think he's going to be your number one wide receiver. And I do agree with him in this. I think those other guys, the McCall Hardman, Sky Moore, MVS, those three, there will be weeks where they they fluctuate. Those are going to be the spike week guys. McColl's going to get a big week, and then it's going to be Sky, and then MVS comes through. But I do think that the identity of this offense is going to be very simple. It's going to be crossers with Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith Schuster going across the middle of the field, picking you up eight to 12 yards at a time. It's going to be different than what it's been in previous years, but that I think is going to be the identity of what this offense looks like.
8: Like, I see, I, I get where you're going from that. I can get from the, the standpoint of Kelsey. It's going to be a guy that he's always looking at, but when it comes to those receivers, man, I, like I, I don't know if it's just like that's the part I don't, I don't know if he's going to have a a guy that he has that he feels I got to get it to, like I don't know, I don't know if he's going to have that because, and maybe and maybe this is something that I need, maybe I need to see Juju again because I I. I don't have the Juju who played off of, you know, Antonio Brown in my head. I got the Juju who was struggling late in, in in Pittsburgh that had injuries and been like, and maybe Kelsey is going to be his version of Antonio Brown that he plays off of, which I could get, but boy, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind just right now. I need to see it of believing that Juju is that guy that he was. And to, to to get to a point where Pat and and Andy and company believe we gotta get we gotta get the ball to him, so I don't I don't know I, I I I I agree with you with Kelsey, but for me I I can see a little bit of open man like wide receivers. Let's just play which which I can see as an advantage because you don't know the hell to key on. But, uh, I, I I mean, I, I think a lot of Chiefs fans hope Juju emerges as that, but I'm having a hard time picturing the Juju who went crazy that I'm having the, the Juju, let's just be honest, who I drafted the next year in fantasy, and he cost my ass because I thought he was going to put together a hell of a season like he did. He had so many touches. So, man, I'm, so, I'm having a hard time right now believing Juju is a guy like that.
0: It's – I am I, and I've grown more confident in Juju as we progress through training camp. And, and I just saw his connection with Patrick Mahomes. And I tend to believe that his struggles the last season one health like just can't do that much about injuries like they just caught up with him. And I, I do think that he was a product of just a bad offense in Pittsburgh because of the limitations of Ben Roethlisberger. Like the Steelers have even hinted at it this season that like yeah, Matt Canada couldn't really run the things that he wanted to run last year because Ben just wouldn't <laughs> run them. Like Ben was just like, no, I can only throw three yards from the line of scrimmage. So that's what we're doing all of the time. And it's going to be hard for any wide receiver to, to make an impact when they're not getting an opportunity to get open down the field and make plays that way. And everything's around the line of scrimmage. And so I still think that Juju's got, some explosiveness to his game that we just haven't been able to see the last couple of years. And I still think that Patrick Mahomes is capable of elevating a player like Juju Smith Schuster, like these other wide receivers. So I do think that Juju is going to be the number one guy with, well, number two kind of behind Travis Kelsey. And, and I think the chiefs will be okay with that as long as he stays healthy.
7: Yeah. I, like when
0: you wrong, say, number,
8: like, hold on, when you say number one, you like, you think he will completely stand out from the other wide receivers
0: on yeah, the team? Is that what you guys I, are saying? I, I agree with BK and what Patrick Moms is saying about like, oh, sorry to the fantasy managers because I'm going to spread it around. He's always kind of spread it around, but when when they had a deeper wide receiver group, he would spread it around quite a bit. And I think Jody Fortson's going to be in the mix there too. But we saw last year that he would just funnel targets to Tyreek and Travis Kelsey and he's going to get into a rhythm and he's going to get comfortable. And I think Juju's going to be the guy that he feels the most comfortable with. And eventually we're going to be talking about Juju getting like eight to 10 targets a game.
7: Yeah. I think this is going to be the reverse on uh, Devonte Adams. Like I know that people are kind of concerned this year about Devonte Adams, at least in terms of the targets that are going to be there for him with, with uh, Las Vegas, just because he's got so much more competition and he's with a quarterback that is not Aaron Rodgers. I think you could make a strong case that Ben Roethlisberger was one of the five worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year. I understand that he had, I understand the name, dude. He's did bad. you did you watch Ben? <laughs> the five worst. I think, th- I think I that think the I Pittsburgh Steelers it. upgraded at quarterback and they have Mitchell Trubisky starting for them this year. Like I, I think that people that are saying they're going to be bad this year are absolutely insane. I don't think they're going to be great, but I think they're going to be better than they were last year because that's how bad Ben Roethlisberger was. He was an active detriment to their roster. And as a result, I think you're going to be- see a totally different version of Juju Smith-Schuster. I think it's they're different players, Ron, but it kind of reminds me of Odell Beckham last year when he left the Browns to go to the Rams. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's Odell Beckham. I forgot. He's still super talented, but he was on a terrible team in an awful situation with a quarterback who couldn't throw because he was hurt. I think something similar is going to happen this year with Juju where people are going to be like, oh, yeah, we, we loved Juju like two years ago, and then he was with the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger for and two years. And that's
8: fair, but, but that's fair. And even to the analogy that you use, like still, like Odell was still never the, the same Odell like the old last I mean, he year was, he was yeah I don't, like he he was good like the rams he won was. the super bowl without odell i, well, I think I'm that not,
7: dude became oh. one of like the most important players in the playoffs
8: well, I'm, I'm not saying he's not important but the old odell which was leaps and bounds better than the cooper cup you know what i'm saying the old odell this is this guy 1500 yards like he still
0: wasn't to that to that well, i'd say leaps and bounds better than cooper cup cooper Shoot. cup's pretty okay
8: terrible yeah let let's let let mcVeigh had, had him with Stafford those first couple of those first like three or four years in the league. I like we could you. just do stuff that i'm just I'm just saying i i need i'm not I'm not saying you're wrong I just need to see I just need to see because that's not the <laughs> I'm having a hard time seeing that juju again that that juju will clearly stand out to it. but to the point that to the point that you're making off of this is we're doing when the chiefs have the ball. Like, somewhere it's going to change. and You think Kelsey and, and, and Juju will be the, the top targets for uh, for Mahomes, and that's where uh, kind of the offense potential identity will be. I still, however, believe that there is going to be some other place where the math comes in, right? I, I think there's going to be some – we said they're going to have to do it different, right? They're, they're going to have to do this thing different because they're just not going to have the explosiveness – of Tyreek Hill, they got some fast guys, but they don't have the the fear factor and explosion that Tyreek Tyreek Hill does. So they can't run things the same way. And where is this production that they didn't take advantage of or use prior? Where is it comes? I think somewhere else it comes. I don't know if it's a second tight end. You brought up Fordson or Noah Gray. I don't know. I don't know if it's a second tight end, running back, whatever. But that but I do think somewhere where they didn't have a lot of production in years past, I think they bring that up. And to me, I think it may start Sunday with Clyde. I think <laughs> Clyde, Clyde, or somewhere in the running game, Clyde in some form or fashion being involved, that that may be the place where they where they have some uptick, uh, in in places that they didn't before. Because like I don't, I just don't think they have somebody else, whether it's Juju or whatever. I don't think they have somebody else on the field where they feel like they got to get the ball in his hands, like they did with Tyreek. So some other place is going to jump up, and I think I think it better be the time for Clyde to have
7: it happen. I think that might be the place. Do you know how many twenty yard rushes Clyde edwards Allaire had last year in the regular season? And I'm sure you're going to tell me zero. Zero. Zero 20-yard rushes last season is what he finished with. I, Man, I so badly wanted to buy into the Clyde Edwards-Alaire hype. I just – I think this is a make-or-break season for him. I really do. Absolutely. This can happen happen so quick with running backs where they go from, I mean, being a former first-round pick to either being like a washed-up backup or completely out of the league five years later. I'm not saying Clyde's going to be out of the league. I think he could go the route of like a, not quite to this degree, but kind of the Leonard Fournette where he ends up going elsewhere and still has a a career elsewhere where he's somewhat productive, but he's not the player they thought he was. Um, And if he doesn't get things going offensively in the passing game this year, I, I really don't know what his role is going to be for the Chiefs. They decided to keep Ronald Jones, and I think he's going to take eventually some of that early down work. I think Isaiah Pacheco will get some of that as well early on in the season. And then on third downs, I think that they're going to go through Jarek McKinnon at the running back position. So I hope you're right, Ron. I hope he shoves this right down my throat and he has a career year this season and he shows everybody why he was a former first round pick. I am just so unbelievably skeptical of it at this point in time because it feels like it's always something with Clyde.